When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is June 1st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully have de-stressed since uh, overtime in game two. Uh, it is so stressful in those overtimes. I know for you guys, you guys are sitting there on the edge of your seats. Islanders fans sitting on the edge of their seats. Uh, just a totally stressful situation, but we low-key kind of love it. It's It's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. Uh, other thing is it's June 1st. It's freaking June. If you had told me like two years ago, that in June of 2021, I'd be recording uh, Bruins beats about uh, playoffs here. I'd be like, oh, damn, the Bruins are back in the cup. But no. No, it's the second round. Second round. But anyways, this was a fun episode. Did it with Connor. Uh, Bruins Islanders, uh, two games in. This is kind of a preview of the rest of the series, as well as a look back at games one and two, where the Bruins are at. Uh, we also spent some uh, considerable time at the beginning of our conversation talking about something uh, that I think you'll all enjoy that you'll all have a lot of fun with, that you'll have a lot of laughs with, and you probably already have had a lot of laughs with. So uh, we start on a very, very positive note and a very funny note because something did happen in the hockey world that continues to happen like every year, and it happened again, but somehow this time was worse, worse than the other ones, and we get into why and how, and I think you know what I'm talking about, but just know we spent like the first 10 minutes discussing that because how could we not? Uh, but a lot about Bruins Islanders in here, uh, as well. Before we get to the conversation, bet online. Still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. So if you're feeling the Bruins right now, if you're maybe feeling the Islanders, I don't know why, but if you're feeling the Islanders, maybe it's time to make a bet. Uh, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch or the puck drop or the next tip-off, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or the mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. Again, CLNS50. To receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. (laughs) 
And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's weird. Now we're so used to being next to each other by the garden. This is weird. We're we're home again. We need to be together doing this. At least we got good lighting now. We don't. We're not in like the the like the the, the cavernous TD garden by like the concession stand, which is where we record. So I guess I'll take I'll take the fake zoom background over that. Yes. Every time the the regular TD garden lights turn off, uh, like a little bit after the game ends, I'm always like, damn it, damn it, because if the lights are on, you can see us. But it's fun. It's kind of like it's mysterious. You know, we do mysterious. Everyone does regular post game shows. We do mysterious ones. All right, we can't. You can't see us. You know, you don't even know what we're saying. You don't know who's talking. You just, you know, it's two people standing there. It's like two Slendermen looking at you. It's kind of um, like a little ASMR. It's just it like vent- venting about the Bruins. <laughs> not not the most relaxing thing, but <laughs> not the most relaxing. That's for sure. Um, before we get into Bruins, I think there's one story that every single uh, listener of this podcast and every single Bruins fan loved, loved. I think, honestly, it trumped losing, like, in Game 2. I think most people really, honestly, the loss in Game 2 hurt, but then they were like, wait a second, this other thing happened. For the fifth straight year, the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't just lose in the first round, because that is five straight years. I did the math this morning. Lucky me. They also choked away a 3-1 series lead to the Canadians, who are not that good. And again, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I thought they were this great team. I thought they were supposed to be this, this, this rocket ship of a team going right to the Stanley Cup and winning Canada's first cup since Reagan was in office. How about this? The Maple Leafs. Done. Your reaction. Uh, I mean, at this point, like it, it's one, it's hilarious as it is every yes. single time. But this one, it's just like embarrassing. I mean, if you're the Maple Leafs and you've got uh, a top, what, five player, right? If you ask people in Canada, he's, you know, he's right up there with McDavid, uh, you know, Congrats, but, and, and McKinnon, which, uh, but great player like that, great player, Mitch Mana, uh, Nylander, all these guys, obviously you lose Tavares, but even if you didn't, even if you didn't have Tavares, the fact that you lost, uh, you choked away a 3 1 lead to a, as you said, a subpar Canadians team. In a division that, you know, it was the easiest route they were ever going to have in terms of getting back to getting out of the first round, uh, you know, getting through a couple of tomato cans to like just fall pretty much ass backwards into the third round, right? Which like would be the de facto conference finals uh, to not even get out of that first round again. I mean, it's just embarrassing. I mean, you look at, uh, I'm not, you know, we'll see how, how they spin it, whether it's, oh, we didn't have Tavares or Muzzin, which like, Okay, you, you didn't lose to the Avalanche, you know. You didn't have like a, a spirited, you know, a six, seven game series with a great team like that. Like you, you completely choked away a series against the Canadiens. So, um, and yeah, I think it falls on, I don't know, it's the the top players not performing. I mean, like contrast what we saw from Matthews and Mana to what you saw from the Bruins. I mean, especially in that game too, right? Where uh, even though the Bruins came up short. Who were the guys that loved the Chargers in that third period? But Bergeron and Marchand getting those clutch goals. I mean, I, I I don't know what the the thinking was this year of like you know what like we've been a complete embarrassment the last few seasons. So let's get these ancient ancient dudes to like have them be like to stem the tide. Where it's Felino who you know people who were saying that he was better a better value pickup than Taylor Hall. 
embarrassing now. Like, take a lap. Like, embarrassing. Uh, yeah, him of a first-round pick that he got all five assists for. Good job, guys. Um, but that, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezzo, which unfortunately for him because he had a pretty good year. But, um, like, it's one of those things where I think, you know, chemistry and, you know, this veteran leadership, it's – it's not something that I think it's like an NHL 21 franchise where you just sign guys and they have a, a veteran like meter and they, it adds to the roster. Right? I think it's something that's very organic, right? That, that you build, you build in with the team. You can't just sign a bunch of old dudes and it really puts you over the top. Like the, the Bruins, you know, did a great job in 20, you know, 2010, 2011 by getting, you know, Recky and him having there for a few seasons to build up that kind of veteran leadership. But it's not like you just signed him and went over the top, right? You also had a bunch of other veteran guys, guys who have been there before, who had won a cup, um, that that added to that room. You can't just sign a bunch of old dudes and all of a sudden you're ready to roll with your talented core. You need your big guns, the guys that got you to that point when you were, again, kicking tomato cans, scoring up against subpod defenses, you know, getting putting on like a highlight reel every single night to get you past the playoffs. And, again, they didn't deliver. So I don't know what the – solution is for them i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of overreacting but you know what i I think something's kind of warranted i mean that's embarrassing do it and the other thing is the bruins had a legit number one defenseman who was their captain but the leafs as great as morgan riley is points wise i wouldn't consider him uh a perennial number one defenseman in this league i just i wouldn't and i and i just find it hilarious like this morning i opened twitter and uh jay fresh on Twitter tweets, so dot 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 Mitch Marner for Seth Jones. Uh and it's just that, it, that, yeah, that will help. That'll be the most maple leaf shit in the world. Yes. That'd be another Adam Larson Taylor Hall type uh type deal. I, I just I can't get over it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. It's embarrassing. It is perfectly Toronto. Um and you and you expected it. Like you almost couldn't believe it, but then it's like, no, it's the Leafs. You you can believe That's about it. right. You can believe it. That's par for the course. So another year, another uh, another first round exit for the Leafs. There's so much to dissect from it, um, and it's I feel so bad for the frontline workers in Toronto. You know they get to go to their first game, they get to uh, they're vaccinated, they're so excited to go see their Leafs play in person. It's like damn, you know all this work I get to go watch the Leafs losing Game Seven. Well, maybe for them it's like the fu- the the first reminder that life is getting back to normal, and that you know the the yeah. Maple Leafs are once again choking away a first round exit. So nature's healing. Nature yes, of course. Uh, so yeah, that's the Leafs. That's our Leafs minute. They still suck, and they'll be probably be back in the division next year. They'll be back with the Bruins and the Lightning. So have fun with more first round exits, guys, because there's no way out of that one. I wonder if they do blow it up, though. I do wonder if you know they make some big move to kind of send a message. Because I mean, well, at this point, to- what do you do? Well, and you picked a tough year to com- completely change gears, right? Because you've got. A flat cap. You've got also, I mean, never doubt a dumbass team that's going to like take Marner and like overpay for him when he hasn't shown up and hasn't scored a goal in what? It's an 18? It's 18 to 18? 18 yeah. in a row. 18 straight playoff games without a goal. Um, which I mean, maybe it's some, what, let's use like the, the, uh, a, like a dog shit franchise, like the Coyotes, where it's like, well, he's going to score a bunch of points in regular season and get tickets for us. So we don't, we could give less of a shit, but. Still, it's easy. Even if you found a team that would take a guy like that, it's easier than done in terms of moving the pieces now with the flat cap. Like, you, you know, we started last year where we thought there's going to be a lot more movement and guys were signing one year deals or you had guys like, you know, Duclair and these guys signing contracts like right ahead of camp. So 
not really the best year to completely change gears with your core that you've expected to probably be making multiple trips to the cup final by this point, but it's, yeah, it's embarrassing. I mean, you ever think they hit a new low, but I think that one's right up there. Cause you, as much as I think Bruins fans hop on 2019 and how they'll never have a better, easier road to get to a cup, this Canadian's team was hand, uh, this Maple Leafs team was handed the easiest layup to get out of two rounds of hockey and they completely blew it. I can't wait till the Toronto media is like, see, the North division was hard. We told you it was a good division. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Okay. It's a good division. The Leafs couldn't even get out of the first round. Oh, they can't do that any year anyways. So mm-hmm. the Leafs still suck. Uh, now to the Bruins. Now to the, what this podcast is really about. We were the Leafs beat. Hey, maybe if the Leafs were grammatically correct, maybe if they were the Toronto Maple Leafs, they'd already be in the cup final like three straight years maybe. in a row. Maybe. You, you, they're running out of options. So like, that might, that might be one of the drastic measures they have to take. Maybe the grammar police are like, no, you can't get, we can't let any grammatically incorrect teams get to the second round. That's, that's impossible. Um, so the Bruins, I know I've said this now like three different times. So the Bruins, uh, they, they win game one. Uh, they win game one, five to two. They lose game two, four to three in overtime. Heartbreaker, obviously, because you came back from up three, or you came back from down three to one and that place was rocking. I want to start with the crowd because I know we keep talking about it on the post game. We, we write about it. We tweet about it. But to actually, like, now that we're removed from the situation, now that we've had many days since Saturday and we're a day removed from the, the hoopla of Monday night, I mean, just that crowd was insane. And I think it was my first real reminder that things are coming back to normal. And it just felt good. Like, that could have been 17,000 screaming Penguins fans in a Bruins arena. And I would still be like, hell Yes. So it just, it felt good. Yeah, no, it felt, felt normal, which I think is the the biggest takeaway. It just felt like uh, a regular playoff game. You didn't have any of the, the weight of what has happened in the last 15 plus months uh, impact us. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you asked many people, I think for, for me, at least a lot of said heard the God before that was either, you know, the lead up to game seven of the cup final in 2019 or the char ovation. And I think, these blew it out of the water. I mean, I, I thought I've never heard that building that loud before. Um, and especially, you know, after, uh, you know, Marchand's goal. Uh, and there was that, that one sequence, I think we talked about it during our post-game wrap-up, where I think Coyle had a great A look, like I think 30 seconds after the Marchand goal. And if he, if he buried that, I think literally the, the roof would have flown off the building. I mean, it was just wild. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I imagine we're going to get a similar environment now down in Nassau. I think, you know, obviously Bruins fans are excited to be back in the building. They've got a good team. We know how ingrained sports is into the fabric of this city and this fan base. But I imagine you're going to see in a bunch of places, right? I mean, that New York has been in the same boat as Boston, had a miserable 15-plus months. They've got a good team. They're excited to get back out there. So I think kind of wherever you go, it's encouraging to see just things getting back to normal and people, I think, really embracing, you know, it, it's one thing where people are, you know, understandably hyped up about the 2019, like, Stanley Cup final, right? But I'm not saying it's part of the plan, but it's something you hopefully you hope happens in a season and there's a chance it happens. And so you're justifiably excited. But to go from where we were the last year plus and to now be in a spot where you can go and, uh, you know, go on Causeway Street, wait in line at the hop for – 40 hours and then go into a, uh, a Bruins playoff game with your friends uh, and a bunch of complete strangers and all cheer for the same team. And 
just feel like things are back to normal finally. I think that that kind of releases why you've gotten these crowds as as loud and raucous as they've been. Speaking of the harp, I actually after I left the garden on Monday night, I had some friends who were at the harp, and they're like, "Oh, come over and say hi." And I have my, my backpack and my tripod with me, so it's like kind of weird going in, and mm-hmm. I'm the only one completely sober walking in. But I go up to the door, and the guys like, "We're closed." I'm like, "What do you mean you're closed?" And I realize it's midnight on a Monday. Like, oh yes. yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> but you get so lost in the the, the craziness of everything, and you forget that pre-pandemic times, you know, that's how life works. So that is a sign of normalcy. So I kind of walked away saying, you know what? It's normal. I'm glad. Maybe, you know what? Good. I, I'm glad I didn't get in because it means I'm things glad are I'm finally refu- refused at Boz. <laughs> things, are, things are getting back to normal. Now. <laughs> I'm getting kicked out. Things are getting back to normal. Um, but yeah, no, I, and, and you said it, like just the, the burst of energy that, that came out, especially in game one, the AJ Keta fan banner captain thing was crazy. Uh, they sang the anthem both games. Um, I mean, it really, it really was special to see. And especially, I, I love the fact that, you know, obviously, when you see a crowd like that, you kind of want to be in it, but in a sense, it's cool to be like a witness to it. You're like, you're standing there. It's better. You know, you're you're kind of in the background watching all of this happen. And it's like, Oh my God. Like Mm -hmm. they sang, I love it word for word after David Pasternak's hat trick. Like Mm -hmm. you can't tell me half those people knew the word, but they sang it. They just sang it. And so it, it was one of those things where you're just standing there watching going, holy crap. And it was cool to see Cassidy be like, yeah, I actually kind of like stood there and took in the moment and like just saw the joy on people's faces. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like if, if you went back to March 2020 or, or even April and May as the goalposts get, kept getting like kicked back, you know, being like, hey, you know, in in uh, in in May of 2021, you're going to have a full capacity TD Garden. It's going to be crazy like that. It, it would have been so cool to hear. And you'd have been like, really? So it, it was it was incredible, and it, it it was almost good the Bruins won game one because if they'd lost with that crowd, it would have been like what a missed opportunity. Um, but anyways, to the ice, to to the actual tangible things with the team. Um, obviously the story after game two is uh, people hate Jeremy Lozon, and obviously I I I understand it a little bit. Uh, you know that play in overtime was boneheaded. You can watch it. I mean, I saw it. I've watched it a few times now. McAvoy's in the vicinity, you know, I think if the puck does, if it just doesn't hit Coyle's skate, maybe McAvoy, you know, it gets to McAvoy and there's no issue. But again, the issue was the Lozon never looked, never looked across, which is kind of step one. But obviously the stat, uh, Ty Anderson tweeted it seven on the ice for seven goals. He's the second lowest time on ice. Uh, is it time for Jeremy Lozon to be replaced? I mean, I think it's more of a, a question of who do you have behind him that's the issue. If Kevin Miller was ready to roll, then I think that's that's a given, right? But we don't know what Miller's status is going to be. I I imagine, considering the fact that he hasn't even been skating yet, I I would pencil him in in terms of tempering expectations for at least the next round. You know, who knows? We we know how variable these uh, you know concussion issues can be, and how guys can be fine and then all of a sudden take a step back or they're you know doing not that much and all of a sudden they're ready to roll so we'll see but it i mean who who's the the next guy up right is it i mean Tenorti's the the logical best bet but you know is i think Tenorti's one of those guys we, we mentioned this during the post game video that he's a guy that in spurts is you know does his job and helps you out but if you have him over an extended stretch then you kind of run into some trouble and you know i don't know if a team like the Islanders who are 
you know, physical, like, like the Capitals, but not nearly as big or, you know, uh, you know, they play a little bit of a different style, a little bit faster, a little bit uh, more sort of on the forecheck. Like you wonder if Tenorti is really the best fit there, especially if it's a couple of games, because you don't know when Kevin Miller is going to be back. So um, had it been a situation where, you know, a guy like Camper was ready to roll, you could, you know, slot him in there, uh, you know, shift Clifton back over to the left side, then uh, maybe that's a situation, but obviously that's not, realistic at this point so it, it, it's tough because you know I think there's been multiple games where Lozon's been either you know had some bad pin, you know, had a bad pinch I think that led to the uh the I think it was was it Pelic or Pollock the the goal uh in in game one that was the shot from from up high one of those two guys but it, yeah <laughs> yeah it, 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 it hurts my head when I see when I have to go through it again but um but yeah, I mean, he's played, he's lit up as, as Ty said, you know, seven goals against, and I think he's only played three of the Bruins, seven total playoff games. So games. not, not great. Not what you want. Um, so who knows? Maybe they go in for 24 a game, but ideally you want someone who's more of a sure bet than, you know, a, a Tenorti or Lozon when he's fighting the puck right now, especially in a 1 1 series draw. You don't want to replace a guy who, was the weak link that is the reason why you came up short in, in a winnable game too to a guy in Tenorti who you kind of have the book out on, but you don't really know how he's going to fare in these games unless you want us for another, uh, you know, kind of weak link in that on that third, third D pairing. So it's a tough call. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough break for the Bruins where the state of their decor is the way it is that you kind of have to roll out a, a guy like that, but it's kind of the hand that dealt right now. This is why they should have traded for John Michael Lyles at the, at the deadline. This was an easy play. Easy play. You're right though. There's, that's the issue is Lozon has not been great. You know, he had, he did have that game saving, uh, yes. block in his own yes. zone. He's not horrible. It's just puck plays and stuff in the offensive zone. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And I get it. He's 23, you know, young. And again, that goes into the play the kids thing. Like Sweeney, they've said from the jump, they're going to play the kids. They're going to play the kids. And you're going to have these hiccups along the way. You'd hope that the hiccup doesn't come in game two in overtime of the second round. And as you said, a winnable game, a game that you had all the momentum in, a game that you had multiple chances in overtime to win. Um, but that's it. That's that's what play the kids gets you. Now, again, the people saying, here's the other thing. Though. A lot of people saying, oh, this is where they could have used Chara. You know, Chara would have jumped it down the boards. Chara would have shot it on net. Yes, but would Chara have been out there that much in overtime? I don't know. Also, it'd be very interesting to see what Chara's path would look like with the Bruins this year. You know, how much would he have played? How much, uh, you know, would he have declined a bit? Because, I mean, he did decline a bit in Washington. You saw, you know, LaViolette really didn't even play him that much uh, in the Bruins cap series. So, you know, the Bru- is Chara even going to be out there in overtime? Probably not. Um, so at the Chara thing... I, it's tough because he's 44. Like I, you know, yeah, he would have dumped it down the boards, but would he have been in position for that? Would he, you know, would he even be out there? So it's one of those hypotheticals. And I, I just don't, I think with the whole play, the kids narrative, it, you can find, you can poke your holes in it. And again, it just comes down to Kevin Miller isn't healthy right now because yeah. the decor looked great when it was the top four as is. And then Clifton and Miller, it was yeah. pretty good. Like that was, if you could put your best six, that's your, that's your best six. And again, you're not putting Zaboral out there. You're not putting back a nine in out there. So mm-hmm. it is what it is now. You got to wait for Kevin Miller to get healthy again. And hopefully Jeremy Lozon doesn't, uh, this doesn't kill Jeremy Lozon's confidence, which I think easily could, uh, especially in a game like this. The other guy you need back, Craig Smith. Craig Smith, you need back de- uh, a lot. Uh, obviously out for game two. 
don't really know when he's going to be coming back. He's still day to day, right? It's day to day, yeah. So, and day-to-day. the Bruins did not practice today on Tuesday. So, uh, we'll we'll see what happens on on Wednesday morning at Warrior whether he's good to go. Cassie didn't really rule him out when talking about him and his status after the rest of the week. So it was kind of a, a a bonus for them that they have two days off in between games. So hopefully that gets him back out there. But uh, until we get to worry on Wednesday and find out, we, we don't know for sure. But yeah, his presence was definitely missed. And it wasn't even like, I think DeBrusque was like disengaged. You know, he had, he had pucks on that. He uh, was trying to hustle to get to loose pucks, but I just don't feel like he's a, a good fit on that, especially on that right side. Like he still, you know, has to go with his backhand a lot. There's a few rushes with him and Hall where, you know, if he wasn't on his backhand, like the, the puck would probably be able to get, you know, get the haul quicker or, or, you know, cut through a seam. But again, kind of the hand the Bruins had dealt, you know, if it was, you know, if Kasha was healthy, you never know if he would, he would slot in there or, or what have you. But doesn't, you know, do much to, to ponder those guys now at this point where they're out, out of commission. But if they can get uh, Smith back in shorter, that'd be huge because, First line, you know, was contained for a good stretch and then broke through, but you still need, I think, both those lines operating high level just to put yourself over the top in this series. You're right, though. There were a number of DeBrusque Hall rushes in game two that DeBrusque was on his off wing, and he's yeah. coming down on his backhand, and it's like, if that's a right shot, mm-hmm. it's such a more productive play. You know, he'd backhand it on net or he'd try to just get it to the slot, and again, it's your backhand. Like, again, there's nothing he can really do. It's his offside, you know? I mean, there's like you can try to cut to the middle, but that's not a sure bet, so... It was one of those things where, again, you just need a right shot there. And, you know, again, DeBrusque has, has, has been documented for a long time now. is not great on his off wing, uh, especially on the second line. You know who did look good, though? Carson Kuhlman. I thought Kuhlman looked good on that third line next to Coyle. I mean, Kuhlman usually – Kuhlman's a little underappreciated. He can never break the lineup, really. But in mm. a pinch, when you need a right shot guy to go in in the top nine somewhere, he is good at it. You know, he, I, he, had, he got credited for that assist. On Coyle's goal, I believe, yes. right? I would hope. Yep. Yeah. Won a puck battle, got it to Richie. Richie with a nice pass up the middle of the coil. Richie had that nice pass. Nick Richie involved in everything. Spoke Z, Nick Richie. Um, start the podcast with Nick Richie, that whole shtick. Um, but Carson Kuhlman looked good. And I, I, I'm curious if you think there's any chance that Kuhlman stays in the lineup. Um, that's a tough break because I mean, I guess if you just look at the baseline, looking at the, the numbers he's got in the, he had a, a secondary assist and DeBrusque didn't. So I don't know if they view that as the the key thing there, but it's tough because it's, you know, I, I wouldn't knock like DeBrusque for having a bad game. You know, I still think he was doing what he could to get rolling there. It's just, I think he's in a tough spot with that line and with, you know, being on his, uh, you know, being at, at right wing. So it's tough. I kind of view Coleman the same way as I totally, obviously not the same, style of play, but a guy that, you know, you put in for a game or two every once in a while and does his job, kind of like what Camper was great at, right? You like slot him in for a game. You kind of knew you were going to get a little bit of a spot from wherever he was in the lineup. Um, but to put him in over DeBrusque, that's it's a bit of a tough hit because ideally if Smith is back, I think you best maximize the the potential of that third line when you've got DeBrusque in there over Coleman. You know, he may not be the natural right wing, but I still think DeBrusque gives you a little bit more potential with that third line that you need to get rolling on a consistent basis with Coyle and Richie. That's why it wouldn't be the craziest thing to put Kuhlman up with the Krejci line and then move to Brusk back down with Coyle. If you really going back to, to the 2019, the 2019 Stanley Cup final. 
Oh yeah. But that's what you got. That's what you got until Craig Smith returns. That's what you got. Um, again, you, 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 you couldn't have a guy in your top six get hurt. And what happens to a guy in your top six get hurt, gets hurt. Speaking of getting hurt to Karask, uh, looked like he was dealing with some nagging injuries. Uh, we knew going into the playoffs that he was not fully healthy. He even said it himself. He was pretty clear that he was not at a hundred percent. Looked really good in the capital series. Um, and has looked solid thus far. I don't think he's been an issue by any means. Um, you know, again, some of the goals on Monday night were just weird deflections. That breakaway happens, like little things like that. But, uh, Joe McDonald had speculated that he thought Swayman might be out for the third because Rask looked like he was dealing with some stuff. And, and I, they confirmed either today or yesterday, uh, that was some nagging injuries that he is dealing with. Uh, is there a chance? That we see Jeremy Swayman in any of these games? Uh, I mean, it could happen, but I, I think you look at just the fact that hopefully they're trying to just manage it. And hopefully, I, th- I think the only, the only way you'd see Swayman in his games is if, you know, Rask lunges and, and pulls something or re-aggravates something where I don't think it's something where ahead of a game he won't be able to go. But if it's something that they're constantly managing, um, it's definitely a concern, right? It's not, we know for sure that he's not 100%. So if they, let's say they get past the Islanders and they go to the next round where you're going to be facing either the Hurricanes or the Lightning. I mean, the road does not get any easier from here. If you beat, <laughs> the, if you beat one of those two teams, what do you know? Colorado is probably waiting for you in the Stanley Cup final. So you need Rask at his best. And again, it's not like I think he's been hampered by these injuries. I mean, I think... I want to say Fudo Shinzawa has like the whole list of how many goals that Rask has let up. I think it's 13, 14 around that, but uh, I think nine or 10 of them have been off deflections. I mean, like the Bailey power play goal deflects off lows on skate. There's a whole bunch of weird bounces. You know, it's not like he's still getting beat clean or he's not, you know, sealing a post and, and like pucks are trickling in. Um, so that's at least positive that it's not hampering. I think his on ice play or he's letting up goals that he wouldn't normally let up, but. I think the bigger concern is just the, the maintenance of it and how we can last an entire playoff grind because we're not even halfway through. The Bruins are going to the cup. We're not even halfway through it, right? We still got to get, they still have to get past the Islanders and then got two more series to go after that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough ask to, to keep him, you know, uh, loose and avoid those injuries. So ideally you don't have to turn to swimming, but at least the Bruins have some semblance of, uh, of knowing what a guy like swimming can bring, but still. It's uh, quite the ass to be like, hey, good luck again. Good luck next round against Tampa or or the Avalanche. It might be like the best team since like the. I think someone was saying the the twenty twenty one Abs are the best team since the oh eight Red Wings in terms of like the the numbers and just how lopsided they're. They've beaten teams down. So uh, you hope Rask is available for that if they even get that far. So uh, it's definitely something to monitor because it's. I think it has to be in the back of your mind when it comes to these games is all it takes is one tweak or lunge or anything. And you could be back at square one. And the Bruins are constantly managing it, you know, whether it be giving him days off or, or, uh, you know, workload things like that's now a big part of the game plan. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think you'll, as you said, I don't think you'll see Swayman starting a game. I think you'll see Swayman come in because Rask hurt himself or re-aggravated something. Uh, in total, you mentioned an interesting thing and it's the getting past the Islanders. You know, after game one, we both kind of said this, if the Bruins are, and I think, I still think this is a series. If the Bruins are at their best, they're better than the Islanders when they're at their best. The thing is, though, the Bruins have to be at their best. 
And I'm still, I still think, uh, I, we both said Bruins in six. I still think Bruins win the series, not easily, but I don't think this is a necessarily hard series to win. Again, you look at the goals the Islanders scored in game two, the calls they got, the bounces they got, uh, you know, it, it, it favored them as much as humanly possible. You know, that Carlo cross check. And you know, why doesn't Komarov go off as well? Uh, the, the Bailey's power play goal off of Lozon skate. You got the, the breakaway goal to end it. Um, you know, even the one off the boards that Palmieri stuffed in, that was a weird bounce, like all these weird little bounces. It wasn't the way the Bruins were scoring their goals. And that was, you know, a little more skill-based. So are you still confident that the Bruins win this series? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Game two ended that way. A game that was winnable that, some of the momentum was back on the Bruins side after that comeback, but I think there's plenty of positives to take from it. I think you saw the Islanders at the best, especially in that, that second period. I think the last five, the last like two, three minutes, of that second period, I was like, all right, they're going to score a goal. They were just, it looked like a power, it looked like a five on three power play when the Islanders were in there. So, I mean, they're a good team. They uh, did a better job adjusting, making it tough to get through the neutral zone, really sealed off the slot, kept the Bruins out of there for most of the night. Um, but I think you look at, the fact that the Bruins didn't lay down, the fact that they were able to get, you know, their power play is getting better looks now since they've switched and put McAvoy and Krejci on there. Um, again, you let up a few power play goals yourself, but again, they've been off of weird deflections. Um, you know, you still made, you still came, you know, a, a rebound chance from Taylor Holloway from going up 2-0 in the series without Craig Smith and with uh, without Kevin Miller. So, yeah, I, I, I still think the Bruins play their own game and barring any more injuries, uh, you know, I still think they're favored in the series. It's going to be tough now going back. You would, you wish that you'd go to Nassau Coliseum with the Islanders or one going to have a crazy crowd and see they play very well at home. You'd like to have that 2-0 cushion to help you out there. But, um, you know, if the Bruins play their game and especially if that top line and, and that second line, if they get Craig Smith back, continue to, to land chances and, and generate looks. I think if those two lads are playing at their level, the Islanders, for as much as they want to trap or, or put guys out there like the, the Sezikis line or the Pajot line, I just don't think they have the personnel to keep all those guys off the board consistently over a series. So, um, yeah, a disappointing end to game two, but I don't think people have to, you know, ring the alarm just yet. You know, we'll see how they do in Nassau. If they come out, shot out of a can of the Islanders in games three and four, then then you've got a series. But I still think the Bruins, you know, in terms of the head-to-head matchup, should be favored still. I agree. I agree completely. I think it is the Bruins series uh, to lose. So that's Bruins beat. That is Bruins beat. We recorded after game two. Innovation by us. I was not going to – I was not doing another week of, well, you know, uh, we were recording before game two, so we don't know what happened. But we're going to go off game one. I, I'm glad we waited. I'm glad that it just goes out. And people seem to like that. On Twitter, people were happy that uh, that, that was the case. Uh, before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug, Connor? Yeah, we're going to be uh, breaking out, obviously, some some tape from game two, look at the positives and negatives from that game. Uh, this week, we'll be looking ahead at game three and four, see how the Bruins can possibly adjust beyond just uh, hopefully getting Craig Smith back in the lineup. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan. I'm just going 93. Wow. Up there. Yeah. Damn. It's Connor with, Connor with one end, too. Connor with one end. There we go. Yes. Connor Ryan underscore 93. Anyways, Connor, thank you so much uh, for Bruins Beat. I'm F. Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have an amazing rest of your week. <laughs>